Chapter Fifteen of the Wonderful Garden by E. Nesbit. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen, Justice. The great discovery was Charlotte's. When they got home and found that the uncle had gone to Tunbridge for the day, every one felt that something must be done, and Rupert began to write out the telegram to his godfather. It was quite a nice telegram, very long and explaining everything perfectly, but Mrs. Wilmington unexpectedly refused to lend more than ninepence, so it could not be sent. Caroline sat rocking herself to and fro with her fingers in her ears to shut out Charles's comments and advice, and tried in vain to think of some way of using a spell to help the mineral woman. It's no use, you know, Charles said, looking up the spells in the books until we know how we're going to use it. And Caroline had to agree that this was so, so she rocked herself and racked her brains and felt herself growing slowly more and more stupid, as you do when you are trying very hard to think of something that has made up its mind that it is not going to be thought about. You see, Charlotte went on. We mustn't give the wicked cousin anything to eat to make him good, and most likely we couldn't get at him to make him eat it, even if we were allowed. What a pity we can't get at the Lord with a foreign education, weak from a child. I dare say we could make him take things. When you're weak from a child, they give you just anything. That's true, said Rupert. I knew a chap with a flat chest that had cod liver oil given him with oranges, but he said even the oranges weren't worth it. But we aren't allowed to give people things to eat, Charlotte reminded him. Besides, Rupert reminded her, we don't know the weak lord's address. I do, said Caroline, taking her fingers out of her ears, though really she could hear almost as well with them in. Then, said Charlotte, let's go and see him. Let's appeal to Caesar. But he's got two addresses, said Caroline, and we don't know which he's at. I mean, the mineral woman didn't. Try both, suggested Rupert. But one's in London, said Caroline. The mineral woman said, He's all right. He's got the castle, and he's got his mansion in Belgrave Square. I can't expect him to bother about me and my little house. Charlotte sprang up. Let's go to the castle, and if he's not there, we'll get another take-your-lunch-with-you-cheese-and-cake-will-do day, and go to London and see him there. The brilliant daring of this idea made the others gasp. Do you mean go now? said Caroline. Why not? There's lots of the day left. It's not half-past three yet. You don't know where the castle is, Rupert objected. Yes, I do, said Caroline. So there. William said the day of the Rupert hunt, he said, I hope the boy'd got into the castle grounds. My lord's men'd have sent Poe about his business pretty sharp if he'd gone trespassing there. So it can't be far off. I'll tell you what, said Charlotte. 
You know Uncle said the day after we'd been Rosicurians would we like the carriage to go and see Mr. Penfold, only we didn't because we knew he'd gone to Canterbury. Now, if we could only persuade William that going to see Lord Andor is the same thing as going to see Mr. Penfold, and that today is the same as the other day, well then, people think so much more of you if you go in a carriage, servants, I mean, and people who don't know about sterling worth. And it's being better to be good than pretty, and all not being gold that glitters. And what will you do when you get there? Rupert asked doubtfully. Why, give him a bunch of magic flowers, and tell him about the mineral woman. You'll look very silly, Rupert told her, driving up to a lord's house with your tuppenny halfpenny flowers, when he's got acres of glass, most likely. I don't care if he's got miles of glass and fineries and pineries of every modern inconvenience. He hasn't got flowers that grow as true and straight as the ones in the wonderful garden. Thomas told me nobody had in all the countryside, and their magic flowers ours are. Oh, Rupert, I wish you wouldn't be so grown up. I'm not," said Rupert. "It's you that's silly." You're always being different from what we'd made up our minds. You were," said Charlotte hotly. "There, now it's out. We were sorry for you at first, and then we liked you. You were so adventurous and splendid, and then you catch a cold and go all flat. Why do you do it?" "Non semper vivens arcus," said Rupert, and Charles hung on his words. You can't be always the same; it would be dull. Besides, I got such a beastly cold, and I'd had the adventure. You don't want to go on having one dinner after another all day; you want a change. I'm being sensible, that's all. I dare say I shall be silly again some day," he added consolingly. "A chap has to be silly or not, Murray Suess." That means off his own bat, Charles. Yes," said Charles. "I'll remember." Well, look here. I'll go and try it on with William, if you like," said Charlotte. But he likes Caroline best because of what she did on the Rupert Hunt day. You do rub it in, don't you?" said Rupert. "I wish sometimes you hadn't helped me that day." There was a silence. Then Charlotte said, "You go, Caro. And Charles, whatever happens, you must wash your hands. Go on like a sensible and do it now, so as not to waste time." "Cui bono," said Rupert. "It'll be all the same in a hundred years, or even in five minutes, if it's Charles's hands." But Charles went when Charlotte assured him that if he didn't, they would go without him. The moment the door closed behind him, she turned to Rupert. Now look here," she said. "I know what's the matter with you. You've got the black dog on your back. I don't know what dog it is or why, but you have. You haven't been a bit nice today. You didn't play up when you were Rupert of the Rhine. Not a bit, you didn't. And you think we're silly kids." And you think you're letting yourself down by playing with us? You didn't think that the first day when we saved you. Something's got into you. Oh, I do believe you're bewitched. 
Rupert, do you think you're bewitched? Because if you are, we know how to unbewitch you. You're a very silly little girl, was all Rupert found to say. Not a bit of it, said Charlotte brightly. You only say that because you haven't got any sisters of your own, so of course you don't know. We've been as nice to you as ever we could be, and you're getting nastier and nastier. If you like to be nice, be nice. If you don't, I shall know it's not your fault, but because you're bewitched. And I shall pity, but not despise you. So now you know. Rupert was twisting and untwisting the fringed tassel of a sofa cushion and looking at the floor. So you hate me now, I suppose, he said. No, I don't. But I hate the black dog. I thought you were splendid at first. And even now I think you're splendid inside, really. Only something's happened. It is like bewitchment, I do think. Couldn't you do anything to stop it? I'd help you, really I would. I say, I'm sorry if I've scratched too hard. You don't understand, said Rupert, with what was plainly an effort. Sometimes I'm like this. I feel as if I was someone else. I can't explain. Now you can laugh if you like. I only thought I'd tell you. Don't tell the others. It's perfectly beastly. I suppose I could help it if I knew the way, only I don't. Suppose you had a bath, suggested Charlotte. Aunt Emmeline says when children feel naughty, you should always wash their faces. And if it's true of children, it must be true of bigger people, she added hastily, answering Rupert's frown. Because your face is made of the same sort of stuff, however old you are. That was part of it, said Rupert, when I saw the river today. Can you swim? I can. And I promised my father I'd never go into the water to swim unless there was some man there. And my father's in India, you know, he said unnecessarily. It was he taught me to swim. He walked to the window and looked out. I thought I was going back to India with him, and then the doctors said some rotten rigmarole, and my father went without me, and I was all right again three months after, and I might as well have gone with him, only then it was too late. And then things began to happen that I never thought could, and nothing will ever be right again. Look here, said Charlotte. I'm frightfully sorry I scratched you, and about your father and your not going. Look here, don't come with us this afternoon. You go down to Mr. Penfold's. He's the clergyman. He said the other day he'd teach Charles to swim, so I know he can. If you go directly, he'll take you down to the river, and you can drown dull care in the medway. Do you think he'd mind? Mind? He'd love it, said Charlotte. Just go and say the three seas said I could swim, and I can too. I can't like that, said Rupert. But if you sent me with something, a book or anything, then I could bring in swimming in a natural sort of way and see what he said. 
Say we said, was there any more of the translated Latin book we could have? Will that do? You know Latin, so that will be all right. I say, I hope they haven't gone without us. They're a most awful time. Look here, cut off to Mr. Penfold's before they come back, if you like. I shall just say you're gone. You just go. You're not a bad sort, said Rupert, thumping her on the back as he went out, but keeping his face carefully turned away. I think I will. Charlotte and Charles met in the doorway, and the meeting was rather violent, for both were in a hurry, Charlotte to find out what William had said, and Charles to tell her. I am sorry to say that he had not been washing his hands, as indeed their colour plainly confessed, but helping William in the toilet of the horse. For Caroline had succeeded in persuading William that to-day was, for all practical purposes, the same as the other day, all the more readily, perhaps, because Mrs. Wilmington had come out and said that she didn't think it was at all. And Caro had said she thought perhaps they'd better all wash, and not just Charles. And William said that he would drive them to Lord Andor's lodge gates, because he had to go down to the station to meet the master anyhow, and it was on the way, or next door to, but they'd have to walk back. "'And we've forgotten to decide what flowers to get, "'and Caro says bring up the book "'so that she can look at them while you're washing your hands, "'because William says he must start in a quarter of an hour.' "'Thus Charles ended breathlessly, adding, "'Where's Rupert?' "'He's not coming with us. "'Get down Pope 1V, and I'll get the language off.' "'And carrying the books, she went up the wide shallow stairs three at once.' There was but little time to make a careful selection of the flowers most likely to influence a youthful peer. Charlotte was all for repeating flower for flower the bouquet designed for suitors, which had been so successfully used in the case of Rupert and the uncle. But Caroline argued that what suited uncles might very well be the worst possible thing for lords who were no relations— and that it would be much better to start afresh with an entirely new floral selection. "'Look in the language of, then, while I wash,' she said. "'Look for duty and justice and being kind to the poor.' Charlotte fluttered the pages obediently. "'Jealousy, jest, joy, justice, gladiolus and sweet-scented tussilage. What's tussilage?' "'I don't know,' said Caroline, soaping fervently. "'Try the medicine book.' The medicine book admitted that tussilage was another name for tussilago farfara, or coltsfoot. "'But coltsfoot comes in February,' said Caroline, "'and we don't know it when it's grown up.' "'There's Rudbeckia, justice,' said Charlotte, hopefully, but the medicine book, when consulted, pretended not to know anything at all about Rudbeckia, and as the children knew nothing about it either, it was ruled out. "'There's justice shall be done, cornflower,' said Charlotte. And the medicine book, after saying, "'See bluebottle,' informed them that cornflowers, being naturally cold and dry, are under the dominion of Saturn. Also that, 
taken with water of plantain or the greater comfrey is a remedy against the poison of the scorpion that's all right said charlotte gaily it must be sharper than a scorpion's teeth to have a wicked landlord now i'll look now said caroline you wash quick caroline chose red columbine because it meant anxious and trembling and i'm sure we shall be that soon enough she said the medicine book confirmed her choice by assuring her that columbine was an herb of venus commonly used with good success for sore mouths and throats ours will be before we've done she said we shall have to explain to him a lot the liverwort polyanthus though signifying confidence was rejected as being too difficult to find most likely but the daily rose thy smile i aspire to seemed the very thing and it was agreed that lemon verbena unexpected meeting would be both scented and appropriate and i've got a little straw too said caroline i got it while william was harnessing it did so well with uncle and wisteria means welcome fair stranger so we'll have that there was no time to look these up in the medicine book except liverwort and of this they had only to read that it is true that miss aldous and others yea almost all astrological physicians hold this to be an herb of jupiter but the truth is it is an herb of mercury and a singular good herb for all sadness of spirit when charles came to say hurry up or william will be off without us to gather the flowers will be but the work of a moment said caroline you two go in the carriage and i'll tell william to drive out by the deserted lodge and pick me up at the garden gate unfortunately the flowers were not easy to find the gardener had to be consulted and thus the gathering of lord andor's presentation bouquet was the work of about a quarter of an hour so that william was waiting and very cross indeed when caroline came running out of the garden with the flowers a mere bundle and no bouquet as charles told her in her held-up skirt no time now to drop people at lodge gates he said i'll set you down at the turning and even that i didn't ought to do by rights being late as it is and i shall have to fan the horse along something cruel to get to the station in time as it is so the splendour of driving up to the castle in the carriage was denied them they could not even drive to the lodge and all they got after all caroline's careful diplomatic treatment of william was as she said just a bit of a lift it saves time though said she and time's everything when you've got to be home by half-past six i do hope lord andor's in don't you i don't know said charles i think it would be more noble if we had to sacrifice ourselves and go to london to see him we should have to break open our money-boxes i've always wanted to do that i do wish rupert had been here he could have made up something to say in latin and then lord andor would have had to pay attention he'll have to in english said caroline quietly if he's there oh i do hope he is 
the mineral woman is most likely crying all this time she only stopped for a minute i'm certain to sort the bottles because of the man coming for them with the cart at three won't it be glorious going and telling her that it's all right and she needn't go but suppose it all isn't and she need said charles gloomily the spells have never failed us yet said caroline i believe it's something to do with the garden and our being the ancestors of dame eleanor said charlotte of course it'll be all right charles rupert didn't think so rupert doesn't know as much as we do when it isn't latin said charlotte we're going to teach rupert a lot by and by you see if we don't all right william we're getting out as fast as we can aren't we for the carriage had stopped and a voice from the box was urging them to look slippy the carriage rolled away leaving them at the corner with the big bouquet which caroline had hastily arranged as they drove along if we see him you'll let me tell him won't you she said because the mineral woman told about it to me and the others agreed though charles pointed out that the mineral woman only told her because she happened to be there End of chapter fifteen